Welcome to the GMB Go Melt Butter podcast show. And today we're going to be talking about a lot of important stuff related to, to pain and related to safety and how we figure that into GMB. So I'm Andy and Jarlo is with me today. Hello, hello, everyone. So Jarlo, uh, if you are new to the GMB world, um, then Jarlo is our physical therapist, researcher, uh, has worked with many, 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 many thousands of people uh, physically in person on helping them overcome all kinds of injuries and things and also applying what we do. It is true. I was thinking about it and it's like, so I passed the 20 year mark uh, last year. (laughs) So I think I'm up at 21 years and and yeah, literally thousands of people. It's crazy. Like I, I was even in a clinic. It depends on your clinic and your hospital and where you're at. But I was in a place for a, a number of years where, um, you know, I saw four to five new people a day. And then that was in addition to the, you know, the eight to 12 people I saw that were regular clients. You know, this yeah. is a 10 to 12 hour shift. So that's kind of why there's so many. But, you know, even then in a, in a clinic where I was a regular eight hours a day, you know, it's still a good 10 patients a day. So yeah, it's crazy so just to put that in perspective too, like, you know, you talk about practice and you talk about getting good at something. Uh, there's a lot to be said for academic study and you've done a good bit of that as well. Uh, and we, we now live in this information age where everyone can go on WebMD and Wikipedia and understand everything there is to know about anatomy and injury and, and all of this stuff. But it's a lot different from when you're actually spending like 10 hour days working with many people and getting your reps in, so to speak, on helping people with these issues. Right. And there's nothing wrong with like WebMD and Google and, oh, Wikipedia hell no. and all that. Stuff. Learning is great. Yeah, it's, and it's so much better than it used to be. Like when you would just have to take your your healthcare professionals word at face value, and it's just that's not good either. Or I mean, your your weird uncle who once sprained his ankle and now knows everything there is to know right. about rehab, right? right? Right. Or yeah, you have to kind of depend on who went through it, and then they tell you what it is. And yeah, so it, it is. It's it's a double edged sword, as the cliche goes. Yeah. So today we're specifically going to talk about the kind of safety and keeping yourself safe from from injury. Uh, We're gonna talk about some of the mechanics behind it and we're gonna talk about some of the things, uh, sort of psychological, neurological, uh, that also feed into this and how we address that within our training and how you can learn some things that can help keep you safe in, in whatever you're trying to do. I mean, at different levels, like extreme athleticism, there's a high risk of injury, but also for people that are coming out of a sedentary kind of situation, also a higher risk of injury. Uh, so we're going to get into that. Um, what are some of the specifics we're, we're going to talk about? Well, I, like we keep mentioning us to, uh, to people that email us or we talk to in different seminars. You know, we've been doing this a number of years now. GMB itself, what are we at, at nine years right. now? And, and before that, you know, Ryan was coaching lots of people for years. You were teaching and coaching for you know since you were in your teen before you were in your teens the same same thing with me with martial arts and and with physical therapy but also what we've had now is many years of of straight up support like people emailing us messaging us and um literally tens of thousands maybe i would probably say multiple hundreds of thousands of uh, direct messages yeah 
And so that gives us, you know, if you're going to talk about science, you know, and evidence, you know, that's true data. That is true data. And it's not anecdotal when you're seeing uh, more than N equals one, right? right. People are like, oh, that's anecdotal. I'm like, well, what, what is well, the Well, each one is anecdotal, but when you, <laughs> when you start to suss out patterns over thousands of anecdotes, then it that's, becomes a research study in its own right. That's pretty much science, right? So it's, it's really, it's like science adjacent, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's science informed, I think is the thing now. Um, sure. Well, sure. Well, specifics, uh, we can talk, you know, we're not going to say names of these people, but, you know, the really common things are, are people, they feel like uh, they got, they, t- they come in and they, they write us like, oh, I got hurt doing this, or I started your program, but three days later, you know, I, I got so sore, I couldn't move. What, what happened? Did I hurt myself? Did I, you know, that's very common. And it's, it's yes. common enough that, you know, we've trained our trainers and, and, and support staff to uh, answer these correctly, factually, and, you know, with empathy for these people. Uh, so one of the things to do is to, to analyze, well, what does, when they say they were injured or they got hurt, what does that mean? Right. What does right. that mean to, to the person? And what does that mean to, for us to try and help them? Like objectively and, versus subjectively. Right. Right. And so one of the things I, I think maybe we can start by talking about is uh, the DOM, the delayed onset muscle soreness, you know, the exercise soreness that everybody's aware of when, when they first start something new or even, you know, they do a little bit more than mm-hmm. uh, they're used to. So this, uh, if we were to classify it in sort of this injury uh, categorization, this is when it's it's overuse. So overuse is, is, a, is when you are, your body, you're, you're used to a certain level of, of activity and then it's, it's the weekend warrior thing. It's like when you when you're doing your stuff, you got a regular job, and then you you go and you play a, a little bit of basketball, or you play a pickup game of basketball on, on Saturday, and you're doing good, you feel good, and then the next day you wake up and you're like, "What truck?" You know, <laughs> on the way home. Did somebody get the license tag number? Right. Like <laughs> so, hit by a bus. And this is this is a a, a real case. So you're just overzealous, right? You're, you're you have a starting condition of you know, a particular level and you think you're fine and you, you, you maybe feel fine during the, the during the activity and then right. it hits you later on. And this is very, well, you get into it and it's fun. And it's fun. I mean, we all know psychologically too, like our feelings around something can, can change our experience. And when you're having fun, you don't realize how much you're exerting yourself. Right. I mean, exactly. you'll stop and pant for a couple of minutes and be like, Oh man, I'm so worn out, but you still keep going because you're right. like, you know, and especially you, you go onto a site like ours and you look at a program, you're like, oh, that's great. This is exactly what I need. And you're excited. You buy it, you start it. And you're not going to go in and just do like a couple of minutes and go, oh, that's too much. You, you are, like you said, you're excited. You're ready to go. You feel good. Uh, and so an example of that, you know, it's, it's just that. And then people call, uh, email us and they're like, oh, man, what did I do wrong? I, I, I followed exactly what your program said. I followed it exactly as it said. And we're like, yeah, you probably did. But you are also probably just unfortunately not ready for it. And so one of our, our answers is, you know, do half of what you're do half of what you did. Yeah. Right. Do half of what you did. Progress slowly from there. But most of all, just don't stop. Right. Don't right. feel like you have to stop and like, oh, I, I got to go to the doctor. You know, and so this is the thing. Right? Everybody's like, oh, stop. Go to the doctor. Go to the therapist. Like, yes. I mean, 
you can't go wrong with saying that, but you can also go wrong with saying that because then what are you going to do? Make somebody stop a, a, a pretty reasonable exercise program and say, oh, don't do anything at all. Wait two weeks to go to the doctor again, x-ray. That's also malicious advice, I think. It is. It is. And it, you're because what you're doing is you're creating an expectation that a person is broken or or needs to be at a hundred percent level before they can be, begin doing even simple things. But I mean, this is also, it sounds really simple advice just do half and build gradually back up. But th- this is exactly what's done with pharmaceuticals and dosing. Exactly. It's, there is no exact precise science of just how much you need. Mm-hmm. You have to try it and trial and error is the way that you adjust dosage. So right. it only makes sense that for physical activity, that would also be viable. And, and the same thing with medicine is that you don't, stop it. The doctor says, oh, okay, don't take it and don't take anything else. I've, obviously nothing's going to help you. Right. right? <laughs> not unless you're, you know, you're fully allergic or fully whatever, but the, right. you know, that's not the case here. And this is critical thinking here. So this is something that, you know, it's when everyone's like, oh, they're always going to say it depends. Well, that's what it is, man. I mean, come on now. We can yep. make sound bites here and there. And that's awesome. Sound bites sell products. Mm-hmm. And they help people sometimes. Right. And they help people sometimes. But they can be distracting. Yeah. Of course, they're going to help some people sometimes. A broken clock is right twice a day. There's another picture. (laughs) So so what are you you going to do? Right. Yeah. I I think that's a really common example. Um, And we can talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, so I mentioned these classifications of injury. So another one is trauma. Trauma. It's just everyone gets that. You fall, you break your arm. Or you, mm-hmm. or you trip and you sprain your ankle. By definition, it's an injurious event. Yes. And uh, in terms of exercise, I mean, you know, we can say all these things. Like, say you're doing martial art, or you're you're uh, you're playing basketball, you're playing soccer, or something. You know, someone runs into you, someone does that stuff. Of course, that's very, you know, that's a that's an example of trauma. But when we're talking about exercise and then solo exercise, like. Uh, we're doing in our programs, uh, it happens for uh, a few reasons, right? Your, your body, you have a lack of control, the forces that are upon you, right? Mm-hmm. When you uh, say you do a jump or you even do a cartwheel or something like that, you, you know, you have a lack of control there. Yeah. And then what, where is that from? Well, maybe it's a little bit poor technique, poor form. You weren't ready to do the thing or you, you know, you just jumped into it. So it's kind of all this stuff is, it's relative to how, what your physical capacity is and like how resilient you are. Mm. If, you're, if you're really new to things, a good example is uh, uh, we do locomotion, right? We do the bear crawls, we do monkeys and all that stuff. And that's on your hands. A right. lot of people aren't used to being on their hands. Most people are not. Most people are not. So if you jump into it and try to do like all of these things that you see on Instagram, you know, right. what's going to happen? What's going to happen? It's, it's funny with that example, too, because we, we have our wrist routine that is one of our most popular uh, right. uh, YouTube videos. And we get so many comments from people asking, you know, this seems like a lot of work for wrist prep. Is this really necessary? And yeah. I mean, it's not for most people for, for all the time, but especially right. for like handstands or locomotion work. Yes, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Like, oh, unless um, this is also we get a, you know, a whole volume of emails, but unless you're a, a mechanic, a car mechanic, unless you're a plumber, like right. unless you're someone that really uses their really, you know, uh, I had a, a patient years and years ago, he was a, a farrier. He shooed horses. 
this guy's wrists and hands were strong, strong as that. Yeah, stronger than any weightlifter. Crazy, right? Yeah, and so those also, that gets into your kind of third category you had is repetitive stuff because right. a lot of these things, they had, they build up strengths, but at the same time, it's through doing the same things again and again and again. Right, right. And so that, so the, when this is a, a good distinction, I think, for everyone listening to, to understand uh, and probably relate to themselves. So when we talk about overuse, which was like the kind of weekend warrior thing, mm-hmm. weekend warrior is, uh, the overuse is, activities that are beyond your current physical capacity to perform once. So yeah, you did like an acute, yeah. Right. You did too much at once. It happens in one day. Repetitive stress is you did too much over time. Right. And so that's the distinction. You could probably do a thing once or twice, you know, and then rest and then come back to it a couple of weeks later and you might be fine. But then say you start engaging in an exercise program or not even an exercise program, like a new physical hobby, whatever that right. is sportsing or, or dancing, you know, all these things. Yep. And you didn't pay attention to what's really happening to you. Yeah. You're like, oh, I feel fine. Oh, it's a little niggle there, right? It's a little t- little tweak, but I'm fine. And it like goes away after a couple hours. And so you do the same thing. And then right. the, the stuff adds up. So that's repetitive stress. That's and repetitive. I'll also say that, you know, we tend to come up with a lot of uh, sports or physical activity related examples to these things, but it's just as true for other things. Like okay. think about if you've gone through your life, you know, as most people do doing normal stuff until you're like 35 and you take up guitar and you're holding this like seven pound hunk of wood and metal uh, from a strap around your neck and holding up with your hand, trying to make these weird finger positions and create pressure with your fingers. And then your other arm, the elbows working in ways that it's never had to before. And so it's just an example of when you go from zero to spending like 15, 20 minutes up to an hour a day doing something that is different. And you do that continually, you do start to build, uh, in this case, both novel stresses and repetitive stress that right. you aren't used to. Right. We're, and we're always walking a fine line between conditioning and uh, repetitive stress. It's always because I fully believe that you can condition yourself to do almost anything. Mm-hmm. But it is such a fine line. What's the risk reward of doing yeah. so for some of these? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, a, a really common thing. Uh, well, not a really common thing, but a, a thing that people can maybe relate to the either they went through it themselves or they know people is, is the military boot camp thing. Mm. So the military boot camp, right? There is, well, I, again, I don't know. I have not personally done this. I have not personally done it. I don't know how it is now. I, I've heard stories and I've had patients. I, I actually worked in a, in an army hospital for one of my internships, but the whole thing is there is no, uh, grades to it you are plopped in there you're you're put a 40 pound pack on and you're like they're like okay you gotta do three miles and come back right and people either do well you know they lose weight they gain strength but there's also a very high percentage of people that just get hurt yeah they just get hurt and so what do you do with that right you can always say well look at this guy or look at this woman she did fine so obviously the program is fine this guy or this other person that didn't do well well it's just weak Right. Just weak. Right. Oh, well, get to it yep. and get there until you get stronger. So that's, you know, that's one extreme. The other one is that you, you carefully build up, you carefully build up and then you can do anything. Look at all these people running 50, 7,500 miles. 
Yeah, ultra marathons is a whole weird world, and I, you know, I'm not going to get into whether or not I think that's necessarily healthy, but right, <laughs> you can't exactly, condition yourself it, to do it. It also shows the capacity, right? The physical capacity that human humans can have. Yeah, you know, there's humans walking around that can deadlift a thousand pounds. I think there's about six of these guys now. I was watching it. Yeah, I think there's, there's a half dozen people in the world that we know of. Right, right. there might be other people. There might be more. That can literally lift half a ton. Just pick up a thousand pounds from the floor. Yeah, unreal, right? That's and then you have on the other spectrum, you have a person that can run a hundred miles. Yep, it's unbelievable what we can do. We are, we are both uh, very capable and very fragile. That yes. is the conditions. Yeah. So yeah. So let's talk about trying to optimize for the capabilities while avoiding the risks of fragility. Yeah, and that and that's basically what it is. That's the holy grail, isn't it? That's why right. everybody wants to train, you know, and that's uh, it's wonderful now like when we talk about functional training and and working with our bodies and doing all these things. These are all relatively new things in uh in modern culture. Yeah, especially if you look historically, I mean, there was no concept of this like a hundred years ago, not even mm-hmm. close, mm-hmm. even 50 years ago, you had people specifically training to get better at different things, uh, athletically, uh, outside of just happening to get strong or fast or whatever. But, uh, the degree to which they were able to be specific about that or apply to a certain outcome was a lot more limited than what we right. have. It was pretty niche. You, yeah. you were either training to be a marathon runner or training to be a, or even like a bodybuilder or a weightlifter yeah. or a tennis player or any of that. Uh, and it's only been, uh, you know, very recently that people think, you know, everyone should be strong and healthy and enduring. And then that's when we start having problems because who do you look to as a, as a normal human being, a regular right. person that's not a professional athlete, who are you looking to to provide you with that information? Mm-hmm. And what's available out there? Well, it's it's these other people. It's these professional athletes, right. it's professional people that do it as their jobs and as their lives. And so, unfortunately, they might not be the best people to tell you how to do things. Right. So let's get into uh, talking a little bit about physically, mechanically, how injury happens, uh, because and then how how that well well the, how how to mitigate some of that the safety issue of bringing it how how to avoid some of these things how do injuries happen and how can we try to limit that? Well, one of the the reasons why in the in the in our method the GMB method we talk about the three primary attributes which are you know, with human capabilities is strength flexibility and motor control and people have argued with us and like what do you mean by strength or what do you mean by flexibility and what do you mean by control and what about endurance and what about coordination you know all of these things well these three things First of all, they're pretty intuitive. And it's not that we're saying, oh, strength has to be speed strength or strength endurance or, or absolute maximum strength or all of these things. If you're walking around, right, and, and you're walking around and you try to lift something like some groceries while on the other hand, you're trying to make sure your kid doesn't run to the street, that's strength. Right. Right? That's strength. If you're trying to, I love this one, like fix your toilet. 
or go under right. the sink. You got to be flexible enough to do that. And the, and control, motor control is this kind of fancy word. And everybody's like, oh, you got to do all these things. You got to have balls flying at your face and you got to kind of, you know, move yourself around it and all these things that I see now. Yeah, that's true. But really it's, can you balance yourself while you're picking something up off the shelf? Can right. you do something while also looking around to make sure you're safe? You know, these are controls. Right. Can you walk around the living room strewn with toys and other hazards right. without tripping over something? Absolutely. These are the real things. And, you know, the more people try to kind of critique it and drill down into it. And that's what I mean by who are you listening to? Who are you listening right. to and what are their motivations and what are their things for their definitions? And there's not saying there's anything wrong with it. But sure. you know, there's a difference between someone who's competing in the CrossFit games Man, these guys are and women are amazing. It's different what their needs are versus, and you just want to, your doctor told you, you got to exercise now or you're going to have a heart attack in 10 years. I had a friend that's, that's what his doctor told him. It's like, you're going to have a heart attack in 10, 15 years. Right. So what does that mean for you when you talk about these things? Yeah. 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 And so and I'll also just say, just real quick aside on that topic, anyone who wants to lecture you on the semantic difference between flexibility and mobility pretty much has some kind of stake in selling you something related to mobility. Right. Or flexibility. Just going <laughs> to leave it right there. Right. <laughs> right. And, and even they know, they understand what they're talking about. They understand. Right. But it's a hook. It's it a is. hook. And they, these not also not to say that they aren't important distinctions, but really they, what does it mean? Be. Wait, you have to look at it that if, if everyone listening here just goes, okay, so what does that mean for me? That's all you have to ask yourself. Right. Right. So in terms of, of, of us, we can, we can, uh, in, in our method and, and working with our clients and creating our programs, that's what we look at. We look at strength, flexibility, control, improving the breath, right? Sometimes the, the depth of one skill versus the other. But if we can improve it to that certain level where you are not bulletproof or, you know, unbreakable, impervious to trauma, right? That's not what we're, right. what we're saying. What we're saying is that these uh, classifications of injury, uh, let's say trauma, right? right? And we talked about that. You can condition yourself to have a better, uh, say experience when you fall mm -hmm. uh we we can go the the really extreme route and then you know there's people that have osteoporosis osteopenia where their bones are actually not as strong not as dense right, right? And, and the solution is to do load bearing exercise maybe take uh medications and and to have that happen right and For most to build your control and balance and ability right. to slow and soften those falls when they right. happen and so th those are the things you have this sort of medical approach to fix your structure. And then right. you have all of these other things that you can work on uh, to uh, either prevent or mitigate that trauma. Right. 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 And so within ourselves, we, we can say, do I have the strength so that when I am running or jogging and I trip or I hit a pothole, do I have that kind of flexibility and that strength to survive that, mm -hmm. right? To get uh, an injury that's, you know, it's bad. You sprained it, 
but it's not so bad that you broke your ankle you or you broke your elbow falling the wrong way or you hit your head as you fall. So that's, you know, that's something there where you can talk about. I hate it when people are like, if you do this routine, you're never going to sprain your ankle. If you do this routine, you are going to your elbows are going to be strong steel cables or, or shit like that. I hate that. <laughs> complete that, bullshit. Right. It's complete freaking bullshit. You get in a car accident, but you've done all these routines. You'll right? absolutely survive. You'll absolutely survive. Not a scratch. Not a scratch. <laughs> the laws of physics no longer apply to you because you've done these routines. Yep. Three easy payments in 1995. It's incredible. So all I'm trying to do or all we're trying to do is inject a little bit of critical thinking into this process. Right. Right. And that's why, yes, if you're stronger, if you're a little bit more flexible, you're going to be a little bit more resilient and you can do that over time. Uh, and also when you mentioned earlier, the balance and the coordination, and all that, that's something that people actually, uh, are just understanding more now outside again, outside of the rehab world. Right. Right. Uh, all, when we talk about overuse and repetitive stress, this is something that, again, it seems uh, pretty obvious and common sense, like, Oh, you did too much for today or you're doing too much over time, but how do you actually um, regulate that? Right. Right. So how do, how do you how, know that it's too much before you wake up the next day feeling like you got hit by that truck? Exactly. Exactly. And so one of these things that we do is we always talk about quality of performance and uh, how much effort you're doing and always emphasizing, you know, this is another thing like, oh, you have to have perfect form or you have your technique has to be solid. Again, that's not what we're looking for. Otherwise, you wouldn't do anything. Because you're learning how to do something and we're telling you you have to be perfect while you're learning how to do it. Right. That is, I can't, ooh. Sounds, yeah, not quite an oxymoron, but it's at least ir ir unreasonable. <laughs> at least unreasonable. So there's, that's why you have all of these things. You're like, okay, I'm going to teach you a progression. I'm going to teach you how to slowly build up to it. And that's, that's the awesome thing now about like the internet and social media and all these things. Cause you see all of these dozens of, of progression, dozens of scaling down or scaling up a right. movement. Right. And those that's super important. Of course, of course, of course, but it's also how you approach that particular movement. It's mm -hmm. also how you, you think about it and how you judge yourself doing it. So it, it could be a, Right. It could be that like, oh, I'm doing the simplest version of of uh, whatever movement is out there. I've, I've looked it up. I've looked at the progression and the first YouTube video I saw has this that has this thing. And that's awesome. It's probably a lot safer than jumping into a handstand. Right. right? Or jumping into whatever, a backflip. But what does it really mean to do that movement? You know, what is the quality? How are you judging the quality of that movement? Mm -hmm. Right. And so yeah. with us, we talk about that, you know, rating of performance, the rating your quality. And I think that, you know, to give a non-exercise idea of this too, I mean, we tend to think that these progressions are, well, they come from some master coach who is obviously knows everything and that this is the one set in stone way to do it. Absolutely. So you have to do exercise one, then two, and then you jump from two to number three. There's no 2.5. Right. 
there's no like to be that's like a little to the left of that right it's a straight line is the way we work through it but that's that's not really repeatable in things that aren't a carefully crafted program so how can you learn to progress your your level or reduce uh reduce the the exertion so you don't hit that overuse threshold right how can you reduce the level while still playing your your basketball game exactly that's the example you're in the middle of this basketball game you start to realize oh man i am not you know built up for this i'm gonna wear myself out what can you do to finish the second half of that game and still have fun without pushing yourself past that point well that's where really understanding progression and regression comes in because you can say you know what i'm just not gonna i'm not gonna sprint down anymore i don't have that or i'm gonna lay off some of these jumps and i'll let someone else take the rebound it's not you know i'm not a professional it's okay i'm just gonna i'm gonna take all my shots from the floor now you can do these things that it seems like they're very small but they are regressing the amount of effort that you have to put in the exertion that you have to put in to complete the activity that you're doing and that is what is really important it's not just an exercise thing but it's how that teaches you to adjust up or down in this you know semi-linear but also a lot more discreet or less discreet than most people try to make it out sort of progression thing you're not just jumping from level one to two there's a lot of gray area in between there and you should feel fine adjusting that up or down depending on how you are performing this kind of relates back to talking about like how physical culture started and what the majority of the of the time it's been and it's been for sports that's why we have so many examples it's been for sports been for these kind of competitive activities and mm-hmm. so right there there's the mindset and say you're working out at home you're starting a program even though you are not a professional athlete or doing a sport the mindset is there already because that's all you've seen and all you've had exposure to is like winning. I have to do more, I have to do this. And so that mindset is actually a detriment to you. Right. Right. Because you can't do what you just said and what you said about being aware of my quality of, of movement and oh no, I can feel it. But I'm just gonna go ahead and do a few more. Right. I'm just gonna finish up today. I, yeah. oh, I got to run down there and, and get that ball and, you know, get that so the other team doesn't make a point. So we can win this game. Oh, yeah, we won this game. Right. But then now you're so sore you can't move for two days. That's not winning. That is not hashtag winning. I think. <laughs> and right. so these markers right there, are, I think, are, are, are something you can relate to and think about right away, too. Is like, you know, am I breathing too hard for what I'm actually doing? Right. right. And am I. I don't have that control when I'm landing. I was like, oh, I really felt that in my knee that time. It wasn't too bad and it went away, but you know, the next time. Yeah. That'll do. Yeah. So, oh, I felt something in my knee. So I'm going to do four more hard jumps right? <laughs> because that's what's on the schedule. But this is generally what you're always saying is, you know, how the, the most difficult word I think in, in our vocabulary is appropriate. How does someone know what's appropriate for them? And this is, it goes back to what you're saying about just cutting the volume in half and building back up slowly. But it's really hard when you think the program tells you one thing or you're supposed to be able to do something. Right, exactly. Come back and say, you know, I just feel, I feel like this is the right level for me and I'm not ready to go 
the full reps or the full time or as hard as I would like. Right. And that's why in our programs, uh, we either have this rep repetition and set range where we're like, Hey, we, we put two to five sets of, you know, six reps to 12 and people are like, so which one did I do? Right. Which one did I do? Why is there a variation? Right? <laughs> why, why aren't you telling me three sets of six, right. Or, or four sets of two. Why aren't you telling me that? You don't know. Right. And actually you don't know until the day it happens. And then that could actually change. That's real mindful thinking. Yes. Right. And that's why it takes a little bit more time, but it's also a, a much more valuable, valuable use of your time than, oh, look, this spreadsheet tells me I should be able to do 67.5% of this repetition maximum right now. Right. 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 And so what we have uh, in our programs, we have these ratings of quality, ratings of ease. And instead of having it, you could do it from one to 10 or one to five, five, five being the best. But then that's what we started talking about, about it in a little bit more, uh, you know, descriptive way. Mm-hmm. We're snappy, we're solid, right? Right. And then in, in terms of exertion, oh, how hard was it? And right. not like we don't want you to work out hard or train hard. You should. You should when you're capable of it. But right. if you're hitting 10 hard and you're just dying right. every time, every exercise, that's yeah. not right. You and ultimately, right. what's the goal? Do you want to be able to do, say, just say, for example, 10 reps and it took literally everything out of you? Right. Is that better than you do 10 reps? And you could probably do 10 more. Which one is better? The second one is clearly better. So why do we value this all out effort? You need to put in effort to get to the point where it's easy. But the goal is still for it to be easy. And that's the nuance of it because we should, you should value hard work. You Mm -hmm. should value hard, consistent effort over time. That's the formulas for success. Yes. But Look at that overtime variable, you know, the hardest you can work out right now. Yes, that's great and good for you. And it, it probably gave you a little bit of good mental strength, but you can't do it tomorrow. You can't do it next week. Mm-hmm. Worse. And this, this has happened to people. You can't do it for another month or two. You are not better. No, no, you did not win that workout. Right. Right. Cool. So I think this starts to get us into the psychology of things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everything is psychology though, right? Sure. <laughs> everything is everything is your brains. We are just jelly or jelly wrapped in a meat. And, and just just for context, Jarlo <laughs> believes in the simulation theory and is actively counting down to the singularity. So oh, yeah. this is this is the, the culture bubble that he's living in when he says this. I am just waiting <laughs> so I can upload my consciousness into whatever bio form. Massive AI. <laughs> right. I can't wait. <laughs> but, well, so that's what we mean by everything is psychology, and that's what it is, though. You, you're buying, you know, these physical training programs, and you're looking up at, and being inspired by people doing things. Mm. It's because you have a desire to improve yourself, which is awesome. But yes. You have a desire to improve yourself and that automatically brings in all of these psychological components, the winning psychology, you know, mindset winning or beating 
Like even what is that cliche? You know, I don't have to beat the guy next to me. I only have to beat myself. If you're being chased by a bear. You just have to beat the slowest person. Yeah, you have to beat the slowest guy. <laughs> they still have that. They still have that mentality, even if you're not worried about someone else. Which, come on now, everyone is worried about the person next to them. Yeah, doing better than you are. I, are you a monk in the in the mountain? We, we can talk about playing our own game, and it's important to build that sort of you know self confidence. It's you know it's it's I mean that's a key of what we try to do too. But we we are social animals. We are social animals, and another reason why we're doing a lot of these things and a desire to improve ourselves is because we have families, or we have loved ones, or we have people around us that we want to be better for, right? And so again, this is all nuanced stuff. This is all very hard to talk about and not having a, a nice quote over overlaid over a, a mountain, <laughs> right? And so that's why we, we have these podcasts and we have these things where we can actually talk for a little right. bit longer than 20 seconds. Yeah. So a lot of this stuff, when you're, when you're working out and when you're training yourself physically, you understand that you're conditioning your body. But a lot of times we don't realize that we're also conditioning our minds. And so this is why this is important. When you think about, I'm doing this to beat the next guy. I'm doing this to beat my body into submission. I'm doing this to overcome my weakness or whatever. All of these messages that we tell ourselves are things that we're conditioning ourselves to do. So we look at these athletes, we look at these coaches, and we, you know, that's also conditioning our belief of what's possible for us. Right. But the way that we're thinking of these things as we do it is also conditioning the way we think about it, which changes our proclivity towards pushing ourselves too hard or trying something that we're not prepared to do, putting ourselves in an unsafe position because someone told us that we should just fucking man up. Right? Exactly. Right. And so that's what we mean by the psychology of it. It's not that, oh, you have to go to therapy and do all these things before you can even exercise. Yeah. Or, or another thing which is very useful is people are like, okay, what is your motivation? Like, what is your why? And I think that's great. It's, it's awesome. But it also doesn't have to be that granular and that like specific and, and making you cry before you work out. Right. Right. You know, I'm being facetious there, but you know how it, go, it can go. We always tend to overcomplicate things. Right. We always, always, always do. You don't need a grandiose vision of the Uber man or Uber lady that you're going to become or the, the right. perfect example for your children or whatever. You don't need that in order to take small steps to improving yourself. And that's what it is. What can you what can you do right now? And, and you ask yourself that, well, what am I really doing this for? And then whatever pops into your head for that second. Well, I just want to feel a little bit better. Or, man, I'm not, I'm thinking my stomach's a little bigger than it should be. That's fine. I, I don't think you need to analyze it further than that. But then you have to think to yourself, well, what does that really mean? And does that mean I have to kill myself for it? And the answer is no. It's almost always no. Unless, again, your doctor says you're going to have a freaking heart attack. So you better go walk on that treadmill at least for five minutes. Right. If and, and that's the, always the answer too. Is like some people always they uh, they email us and they're like, "Man, how do I get motivated? Like I'm 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 doing good. I'm working three, four, or five times a week, but some days I just don't want to do it." So what in that statement right there? They're saying they're doing three, four, or five times a week, but they just don't want to do it one day. What's in that statement? Well, maybe you can 
take that day off. Maybe you can do it two or three times a week instead and see how right. that feels. Exactly. <laughs> and so that's the kind of critical thinking. Really. But as opposed to someone who's like saying, well, I'm, and we had this email in particular, I'm, a, I'm 300 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, and it, it takes me a long time to even get up the stairs. Can I do your programs? I'm really motivated. And, and we have to say, you know, probably not. Probably you have to work on just moving a little bit more, working on your diet. And I, and I gave him or this him or her, I forget. I gave them a, a pretty good thing to follow for a right. little bit. That's the difference between saying, oh, to this per- other person and saying they're pretty regular working out. They're just have being a little, you know, they just have a little lack of motivation for a day or two. Right. Right. I'm not going to tell this other person that's overweight. It's like, oh, maybe you should listen. Don't do anything then. Yeah. So it's tough, you know, if someone's having trouble walking upstairs, well, then jumping into a, an exercise program might be too much. They might just need to walk on a flat surface right. more while continuing to improve their diet, their sleep habits, things like that. And that's um, a thing, too, where that person should be actually trying to develop a habit of doing something every day, I'm not saying. But at the same time, yeah. Exactly. Right. It's, not, it's building these small habits. Really and at small the same habits. time, too, we can't assume fragility either. Right. Exactly. And as we're not saying, oh, you got to do our program then six days a week or you're right. never going to get any better. Uh, you know, that's you can also you can see the similarities there between talking to that person and then talking to another person where, you know, that's not their problem. And their issue actually isn't that they're not consistent. They're just saying, you know, one day a week, they're, they're feeling bad because they're not ad- adhering to this program of six days a week. And then you have to approach that person and go, you know, really? No, you're doing fine. You are actually doing fine. Right. right? But you don't say that to this, you know, the person that is, you know, a couple hundred pounds overweight. They aren't, yeah. they aren't doing fine anymore. And there again, that's then just identifying what is appropriate for, for you. What's appropriate for you? Uh, you know, there's, there's what your goals are. There's where you're at. There's problems you've had. And there's just finding what's the appropriate activity or level that's right for you at this moment, which that, that there is the art, though. And I, so this is one of the things that when we're talking about GMB programs and like our method and what we try to do is there's a couple ways that you know, as a non-professional, you could go about trying to figure out what's appropriate for you. One uh, is that, well, you have to learn everything and you have to go read all these books, study this stuff and become an expert. Well, I think that that is a bad approach for a lot of people. You know, uh, I think there's some value in understanding things that you're interested in. I'm always going to uh, applaud people that want to learn stuff. And, you know, I've done, I learned when I was 16 how to do minor repairs on my car, but I'm not going to try to replace an engine on myself, you know, because that's not my hobby. So I'm, right. I'm going to usually defer to an expert. And so then that's the second thing. If you, if you don't want to try to become an expert yourself because you don't have the time, don't have the energy, you have other things that are more important to you, completely viable, then the other option is to go seek out expert advice. And this is why we get a lot of questions, very, very specific questions. And there's nothing wrong with asking questions, but very, very specific questions uh, from people that are like, well, I've done this, 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 and this, and I'm here and I want to do this and I've tried this. What should I do? And that can get you, that can help a lot. Uh, 
And I think that asking expert advice is very important. And clearly, GMB provides this as a service. This is something we do. This is kind of how we, you know, pay for our families to eat food and stuff. So I'm not saying this is bad. Uh, You know, but I also think that there's a point where you want to get to where you need less and less specific expert advice. Right. Where you exactly. might continue to need expert guidance to help keep you on the path, but you don't need them to answer every day, how many reps should I do today? Right. This is why you go to a personal trainer. Is that person says, mm, today maybe we should swap out the squats for lunges. Right. You know, oh, today we should do eight reps instead of 10. Oh, you can do an extra set. You're doing great. Like, that's why you pay the big dollars for a personal trainer. Exactly. Uh, but then there's a point at which over time, you need less and less specificity from an expert. And this, I think, is one of the things that we try to do in GMB since we have these, this education background. We're teachers. Is we're trying to teach you to be able to understand that you don't need to be an expert to know what level is appropriate for you. How do you find appropriate? Right. And this is why we focus on practicing, you know, rating your quality, rating how easy it is for you to be mindful and be aware of how you feel and how you're performing as you do this stuff so that you can learn. This is the third, the third kind of approach to figuring out what's appropriate is to, to learn yourself well enough that you can kind of suss it out as you're getting there. And I think you made a very important distinction there. And it's over time. You actually have to practice to be able to do this. You cannot be expected. You know, some people can maybe. But again, most people can't be expected to know this immediately as you start doing things. Some people will pick it up faster than others. But usually that means that they've learned it in another context. It doesn't that they just get it. So don't compare yourself to somebody that gets things faster than you. They've, they've learned this in another context, but uh, still it takes you the amount of time it takes you to learn these skills. And it is a skill that you have to develop. And that's the mindset that uh, if we're going back to sort of this kind of psychological thing, but that's what it is, the mindset of learning growth mindset and, and the mindset that everything is a practice. Right. We, we've right. Uh, delineated our, our met- in our method. We have, you know, preparing yourself for training. We have the practice, the training practice. We have pushing yourself in training and we have the play part. And so this is uh, kind of going back to what uh, the uh, converse of what you're saying is you have other people out there going, well, just move. All you have to do is move man just play and just let your body do what it needs to do and then you have it inside you wow that would be great just move <laughs> and just play so that's the that's the opposite of of having uh, someone to teach you how to do things and or telling you you got to do this reps and this this exercise now you have the complete opposite of oh just just have some open space and, and move your shoulders and you know, where does your body want to take you i don't know that's a little Most better. people don't know what to do with open space. And if they, you know, where does my body want to take me? Usually to the couch, man. Right. And I'm exactly. saying this is someone that's done martial arts for 35 years. My body right. wants to take me to the damn sofa. Exactly. So again, these, these are really like, right. This is, this is always how you, you can make an argument. You just find the extremes, right? But right. there are actually people saying that I am, we're not making this up. It's no. not a straw man. You just go ahead and Google it. Just Google, just move, man, and see who comes up. Yep. So that's why it's funny because we have 
in, in our method, we have our very specific definition for what we want. And and a few years ago, we we had our we we made public our specific definition of play. Our, our definition of play is is an exploration within your capacities, you know, within right. your capabilities. It's it's something that what you do when you when we say explore and play is not something new. It's right. not something new. How can you play? How can you do things when it's physically totally new to your body? And I remember we got pushback on that. We're like, what are you talking about? Kids play. Kids do all these things. We need to play. How are you constraining play? I'm like, dude, what is your definition then? Right. Right. And it, and when they say it, it was so loose, so ill-defined that it's meaningless. It's not a definition. It's not. It's, yeah. The thing is, is we're, we're, we want to define play within a context of that makes sense so that we can say, yeah, just play with this movement a little bit. Right. Right. That's useful to people that are working on something. Right. And then that, yeah, going back to our topic of safety and injury, mm-hmm. what, how does that fit in there? Well, of course, when are you getting hurt? When is a person getting hurt when they're, uh, trying to do things physically when, when they're, they're going beyond their capabilities when going beyond their capabilities hold my beer i got right? this so if you're telling me that's play well man that's terrible that is straight yeah. up bad so we've covered a lot of ground on this uh as we are want to do um we've I talked about, yeah yeah <laughs> so we've talked about specific kinds of injuries uh that are very common and sort of how we'd like to develop, you know, the capabilities and attributes physically that can help you avoid these things. And also like the art of knowing what, what is appropriate, how to sort of know where you're at. And that that's a skill that takes practice. We've talked about the psychology of training to avoid this stuff and how, how your psychology can predispose you to, uh, to injury if you're not careful too. Um, and a lot of this stuff uh, is, you know, mixed up very, very tightly, tightly um, integrated and and uh, intertwined uh, when you start practicing and thinking about this stuff. So it's always really interesting. Um, what would you say, maybe, Jarla, most important thing in terms of, uh, you know, physical training for people that are following some sort of program? Let's just go on and assume GMB clients because, hell, they're nice people. What is yeah. the most important thing for them safety-wise? I think the most important thing safety-wise is to uh, realize fully and genuinely what your current condition is and what goal that you have set for yourself. And what is that area in between that level of where you're at and the area of, of what you want? And if it's very wide, if that area is very big, you're going to have to be more patient with yourself. And I think that patience is a big part. The injury of trauma and overuse and and, uh, repetitive stress, I think being impatient is a a very common factor in between all of those things. And being impatient implies a lot of things uh, because you have that mindset, I got to push yourself or I got to do this or or, I I really want to lose those 20 pounds and then I got, that means I got to do this now. And really you don't have to do it now. You know, we have a lot of time. Hopefully, we all have a lot of time to get to where we want to be. Cool. Thank you. Well, that is going to wrap this one up, and uh, we will 
chat more later. Thanks for listening. Thank you.